I'm Jason Powers, the host of the Powers on Sports podcast. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Subscribe, rate, and review. We're going to have sports personalities on all throughout the year talking games, coaching blunders, off-the-field issues, and we might even try to put a little money in your pocket. So check out the Powers on Sports podcast. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is good. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The two-one. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Jason Powers here on the Powers on Sports Podcast. We're very fortunate to have former quarterback Jeff Carlson, a 1989 fourth-round draft pick from Weaver State, joining the podcast. Jeff played in, in the NFL for the Buccaneers and the New England Patriots, among others. And uh, so we're going to talk about what, with Jeff about the state of quarterback play in the NFL. We're going to see who he likes to watch play on Sundays. We're going to talk about the evolution of the quarterback from the high school level to the college level to the pro level, how much that's changed over the last uh, 25, 30 years. We're also going to talk about his son. He's got a son who plays Division One football as well. So we're going to get into the family business of quarterbacking with Jeff. So. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thanks. Great, great to be here. Great, great. All right, let's talk about your career a little bit. 1989, fourth-round draft pick out of Weber State. Tell, it, tell, the, tell the audience, were you guys running a run-and-gun offense at Weber State, or were you guys running more of a traditional two-back set? Give us a little sense of kind of the offense you came out of when you joined the NFL. Well, you got, first of all, you got to remember, uh, color television, color film, didn't come out when I was playing in 1989. It was all black and white. Uh, it was all wing T. Uh, no, it, the run and gun, they didn't invent that yet. We had just barely invented the shotgun snap. Uh, I did a little shotgun in my senior year of college. And um, before that, it was all under center. So um, it was a different world. Uh, we did run four wide receivers, uh, you know, three on one side, one on the other. We did a lot of that kind of stuff. And actually, um, uh, Mike Price was the head coach and he yeah. went on to um, coach Drew Bledsoe and uh, <laughs> Ryan Leaf and a couple of other guys. I was his first, I was his first good one, but there was a lot of others that came afterwards, but um, the offense was, was kind of ahead of its time, but uh, still so far back in time now compared to what they're doing. But um, uh, I threw for 3000 yards, both my junior year, that was kind of the mark, you know, now it's four to 5,000 yards. So the mark to become an NFL prospect uh, in my time was if you could throw the ball for 3000 yards in 11 games, you became an NFL prospect. If you were over six foot two, for the most part, you needed pretty much be six foot two or better. Um, and that was kind of the standard. So I hit that in my junior year, became a prospect, even though I was playing at a one double a school. Um, and then, uh, came back my senior year and, um, 
and we also did pretty well my junior year. That gave me a lot of that gave me a lot of uh, pub uh, in my junior year, and then came back in the senior year and. Um, our team didn't do as well, but I still threw for over 3,000 yards and a lot of touchdowns. So uh, went on and, and uh, became a fourth round draft pick to the Los Angeles Rams, which was my hometown team. My, my parents uh, lived and I lived about 10 minutes down the street from where the Rams played in Anaheim. Wow. Yeah. And so it was a dream come true to get to move home from college and play football for the Los Angeles Rams. Who was that? Was that Chuck Knox or was that Rick? Who was, who was coaching? It was uh, coach? John, Ron, John Robinson. Okay. John gotcha. Robinson, you know, he's the guy that took the team through the Dickerson era. Right. And um, came back. And I think I was actually part of the Dickerson trade uh, draft picks. Um, I'm not sure if I was the A or the B, but um, one of the, we had two fourth round draft picks. And I, one of those was because of Eric Dickerson. They had, the Rams had a bunch of draft picks uh, because of the Dickerson trade. Nice, nice, nice. All right. So you get in the NFL. What's the kind of the biggest, wow, I'm in the NFL moment or, or man, this is going to be hard. What, what, what were a couple of those kind of moments <laughs> when you get in the NFL and realize this isn't Weber State here and we're not playing, we're not throwing the ball against uh, some guys that maybe aren't as capable to cover people? Yeah, I mean, that's really the difference is the speed of the game overall, the speed of the receivers, how far you actually need to throw it in front of somebody comparatively to college, um, and, and the windows are smaller. They're just smaller. And I, I just remember going back and watching film one day and there was a safety and he was at the line of scrimmage on one side, on the left side of the field. And he was basically at the line of the scrimmage threatening that he was going to blitz. And at the, at the snap of the ball, he turned around and ran back to the middle of the field and intercepted <laughs> a deep post. And I said, this, this is, yeah, you know, just like uh, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, this isn't Kansas anymore. You know, this isn't Weber State anymore, man. This is, this is the NFL. And um, Ron Brown was a, it was a preseason game. And Ron Brown was a uh, world-class sprinter. And he was one of our receivers. And I threw a post down the middle. It was so short. I mean, it wasn't even close to where he could have really run to. I could have thrown a touchdown if I would have thrown it far enough. But I'm, you know, I'm just thinking, just get it out there somewhere where he can get it. And it was way short and ended up being intercepted. Um, but that was it, just the speed of the game. And, and uh, you just had to be so much better. Yep, yep, yep. It's, uh, did you have any regrets of when you were in the NFL? Any, any personal regrets of, hey, man, I wish I'd have worked a little harder. Or, hey, I wish I'd have gotten an op a system where I really could have utilized my talents. Obviously, you don't yeah. have any control as the player of what system you kind of are in, but any regrets personally? You know, I don't regret uh, very much in life. Um, you know, I go back and think, man, what could you do differently, I guess? And, and that would be it. my rookie year with the Rams. I had all the time in the world. I really, you know, I didn't have anything going on that, that kept me away from staying there all day, every day. And I think I would have pushed more to spend time with the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach in the film room um, and just spend time, not do anything, in, not do anything specific, but just soak up more. I was 20, 23 and I, you know, showered up and I was gone and I was out doing whatever it was. And it wasn't, and I, as far as I know, it wasn't all that important what I was doing, <laughs> um, but it would have been smarter to stay in the, stay on the campus, stay in the film room. And even, you know, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't mature enough or, or looking too far forward, but man, I probably should have spent some time in the front office and asked to, 
you know, be part of that. I don't even know if it would have been possible, but, you know, just did I want to get into scouting? What you don't, it's kind of hard because you don't want to, you don't want to say that you have a end to your career. You don't want to be thinking in your rookie year, Hey, I'm looking forward to being in management one day. No, I'm a football player. I'm trying to be a quarterback on this football team. And, but I was thinking, man, I should have spent time with management or I should have spent more time in the film room. So if those, that would be my only real regret other than that it was a dream come true yeah and I was just trying to do the best I could each and every day and, and I was always a hard worker you know um, high school college I felt like I worked harder than everybody else and that was one of my um, the chips on my shoulder that I came from a small school and I was going to outwork you if I couldn't out talent you I was at least going to outwork you and, and I think it worked for me in a general sense but I, I think I could have even worked even harder um, especially that rookie year yeah that's, I mean again no matter I you get to give credit to anybody that can make that NF that league, man. That's the hardest league in the world to make, whether you play one year, five years, or 15 years, that's a hell of an accomplishment to be able to do that and be able to survive. And like you said, make a team and, and, and thrive. And the, the who makes it and who, who doesn't make it is the, the fine margin in that league is probably razor thin about which guys become really good players and you're in the right situation. You got the right talent around you. It's crazy to think, some of the guys even today that we all think, man, they were such a great college player and they're not very good in the NFL. The rate, the, the margin is so razor thin. It, it really is. And people, I don't think people give enough respect to that and how, how well you have to do things to make it and, and actually make it on a roster, not get a tryout, not get, you know, just practice in the summer, but actually make an NFL roster and then get a chance to actually play in a real game. Um, all of those are different steps and different levels, but um, I live in Tampa now. Um, I grew up in Southern California In Southern California. If you ran into a, a, a player or a former player, it was very, very rare. You just didn't see them. It just wasn't part of it um, here in Tampa. We have got NFL players just all over the place. And um I think the respect factor or the understanding of how hard it is to get to the league is a little different. My kids saw NFL players all the time. Every team, every high school team here has at least one NFL player coaching, former NFL player coaching. It's a dime a dozen. It's so easy. Now that my son, and we'll talk about him later, Hayden, um, now that he's in college, you know, I try to, it ain't easy to get to the league, brother. No. It is so hard. And you, so many things have to come together uh, for it to even get a chance. And um, there's a kid from Tampa. His name's Michael Penix. He plays, he's a starting quarterback for Indiana. He just tore his ACL for the second time. Um, the second time in one and a half years, I think yeah. something like yep. that. He's yep. a great talent, but man, he just tore his ACL twice. Will he get there? I don't know. He has the talent to do it. But man, so many things have to come together. You have to stay healthy just for the opportunity uh, to give yourself a chance to get to the NFL. It was crazy. I was telling you before we started, I referee high school football and I did a game Friday night down at Manatee High School, Manatee and St. Thomas Aquinas. And I look over my shoulder on the sideline and who's who's the defensive coordinator calling plays? Hall of Famer Jason Taylor. Sure. He's out there calling plays and coaching his son and screaming and getting into the game calling the plays like you said you see Aquinas, say, Aquinas has been a who's who of elite yes. NFL talent uh, Michael uh, Michael Irvin's kid is gone yep. there the Shula family is all connect everybody's connected down there but uh, yep. uh, I like coach Shakur at uh, Manatee as well but yep. yeah it's a yep. who's who of guys at Aquinas that's absolutely for, true for sure like you said there's NFL guys all over the place down here 
real quick, what, what, what caused you to want to stay in Tampa? I mean, obviously you're, you're a California kid and guy, what caused you to want to live in Tampa and you've been here for 30 years? Yes, I have. Uh, well, when I finished playing football in 94, I got sick. I have rheumatoid arthritis and it, and it attacked a lot of my joints. And, uh, so I couldn't continue playing, um, after 94 and, um, I didn't want to stay in Tampa. I said, what do I want to do in this heat, in this humidity, uh, mosquitoes, alligators? You know, all I did was look at the negative, or at least I thought they were negative at the time. And uh, my wife and I actually did move back to Southern California. And um, I started in the pharmaceutical sales career in, in Southern California. And then my oldest son, his name's Noah, he's at FAU actually, played football at FAU. And he tore his ACL and he also tore, tore his uh uh, not wrote a uh, labrum in his right. shoulder. And so he's, ha he had his issues and he's graduating from FAU uh, this month, but um, we had him out in California and, you know, it's just, it's, it's too expensive to live out there. Um, <laughs> the taxes are too high. All of those things, houses are twice as expensive. Um, and we just took all those economics into play. And my wife and I had made a lot of good friends out in Florida, but uh, you know, just the cost of living, the, the lifestyle, uh, we liked it. We liked it for raising a family and uh, two kids later and uh, now 30 years. Uh, don't regret it. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. All right. Let's get to the state of quarterback play now in the NFL. It's a much different world. You got the running, the RPO world. You've got the mobile. Yes, you, do. <laughs> you don't have any more two tight end. I mean, very rarely do you have two tight end, two backs. It's it's three receivers, one running back, mobile quarterback. Just your general thoughts on the state of NFL quarterback play as we head into the tail end of 2020. Yeah, it's very different. It's it's definitely evolved uh, dramatically fast in the last three or four or five years, Max. You just said they don't do two backs, two tight ends and two backs, but they do three tight ends all over the place. And that's a completely different thing that I never thought we would go back to because, you know, only call it 10 or 12 years ago, the tight end almost disappeared from the league. There right. was Antonio Gates, there was Tony Gonzalez, but outside of that, they almost didn't exist. We were in four, four wide receivers and one running back, and we still do a lot of that. But um, now they've gone, instead of running res, uh, outside receivers and thinking that's, you know, getting the ball out quick, now um, they've compacted it re most recently, just in the last couple, three years. It's really tight formations, and, the, and then the routes go in or out from there. So they, they, the, the offensive coordinators today have changed their mindset from, um, you know, really throwing that ball outside to bringing it inside and working from there. So um, that's different. The RPO is totally different. Um, I was training a kid last night. Uh, he's a college player, actually. And, um, and he's trying to throw these, uh, ride the ball into the running back's uh, stomach and then spin quickly and just throw the quick screen, just an outside quick screen. And I, and I said, listen, man, I'm teaching you how to do this. I never had to do this. We, this wasn't invented when I played. I don't, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm just, I'm just working through the proper mechanics of how to get yourself turned around quickly and be able to make accurate throws. So, um, it's a, it's a different world, but, um, uh, it's a great game. Um, and, and why I love football so much, it, it has evolved so many different times and there's so much thinking and design that goes into playing well. You know, I mean, you talk about that. I love the Kansas City Chiefs offense, not only Patrick, uh, a, a little, I think it was a little kid or a parent. I can't remember who asked me a couple days ago, you know, well, which quarterbacks do you like? Same question. 
And, and the first two that come to mind, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, they are elite. They do things that other players cannot do. They don't do everything technically properly, right? right. The things that I'm teaching a kid how to throw or a player how to throw, I'm teaching them these really uh, critical um, lines and alignments and things like that to, so that you can, you can really know where the ball is going to go all the time and have confidence. Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, they do all kinds of crazy things with their body and right. they can still make the throw. They're just elite. They do it differently. You can't really teach a lot of players to do it the way they do it. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes just showed against the Buccaneers this week. He's in, he's in really bad throwing positions. A lot, really bad. a lot, but he makes the throw and then he holds onto the ball so long and it's just so effortless. He's making mm -hmm. it look so effortless. Um, he's fun to watch, but I, but, he has an awesome offense to play in and he's got some great players that Tyreek Hill, he destroys defenses and mm -hmm. same with Travis Kelsey, those two guys individually, they destroy defenses, but all the pre-snap motion and, and stuff, they're asking defenses to defend the entire football field. That's really right. what I start talking about with players. And, and what do you want to do? What's wrong with the Buccaneers? They don't ask the defense to defend very much. Right. They line up and, and um, it was, Oh, uh, Tony Romo. I thought Tony Romo brought so much intelligence and, and thought to the game far more than other analysts, if you will. And you and I were talking, I'm going to broadcast eight and I mean, uh, high school state championship games. And because you, I can't watch film on these high schools very much. And there's eight of them. I really watch the game and analyze it as I go. What kind of formation does the offense have? What's the how is the defense going, defending that? And then I say the ball should go to this spot, right? This is where they should go based on this defense. And and I can predict plays all the time. It's it's kind of fun for me anyway. It's a challenge. I don't know if the audience loves it or not, but I like it. Um, but the Buccaneers do not ask the defense to defend very much. They line up and run plays. Well, that's just man to man. You know, it, it is a, it's, it's a man to man type of a league. And um, if you don't cross another, def, another player behind the other player and make those two guys that are supposed to um, cover man to man, get them confused. You've pretty much lost the game before the snap. And what Kansas city does is they create so much fast motion. It, it creates uh, mistakes by the defense. So the teams that are doing that best are the San Francisco 49ers in a general right, sense right. and the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Kansas City Chiefs are, I think, light years ahead of the 49ers. The 49ers move, but they don't do it as quickly and, uh, and cause as much confusion. But those are the two best teams right now. And that's kind of the game that everybody's trying to emulate. And quarterback play seems to be now more about a, a game of probability. When you shift, when you motion, you, you realize, are they in a zone? Are they in man? And that, like you said, it dictates where the ball goes more, more times than not, and it increases your probability of success. Obviously, when you have Tyreek Hill, you have Kelsey, that's going to even further enhance your ability. But like you said, you, making the defense declare what they're doing or not doing is such an advantage for the quarterback. Yeah, and, you know, and, and they were talking about that uh, when you put your running back outside, who is guarding the running back? Right. And then he runs back into the backfield and then, you know, a linebacker came back in. And so they're running man to man. If he was outside in the in the corner state outside, they're probably playing zone. Um, that's almost the smallest part of the whole thing anymore. But right. if you if you just run a guy across, you are making because even though they're in a zone, 
people, the game is played by humans and humans make mistakes. And so that's something I was talking about with guys last night. I had a quarterback and receiver on the field and we're talking about the concept, the inside guy on a two receiver side, the inside guy runs a deep corner route and the outside guy runs a five yard hitch route and they stop. And it's, uh, everybody has the, has the concept and it's called smash. It's a universal word. Hey, run smash to that side. And it's a corner hitch. Right. And it said, what's it good against? What defense does this, is this good against? Who do we want? What do we want to throw it against? And you can throw it against anything with, with minor adjustments. And that creates the quarterback has to throw it to a certain spot or whatever, but you're playing a lot of times you're, you're reading the what the quarter what the receipt i mean the defender should be doing right his responsibility is to cover the deep not to get beat deep but when he sees a receiver stop at five yards in front he wants to intercept that and get a pick six and he stops his feet so then we throw the corner out but he was supposed to go back so when he does what he's supposed to do we throw the hitch but when he doesn't do what he's supposed to do we throw the other route and it's a game and you just have to it's a chess match all the time every play is a chess match we do this what do they, how do they react to it? And when they react to it, then what do we do? And, it, and that's what makes football such a great game and, um, and why coaching does matter. Coaching matters a lot. Uh, <laughs> players make the plays, but the design and, um, and, and how you're going to do it and when you're going to do it, those things do, those matter a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, getting back to the Buccaneers offensive issues or whatever you want to call them. You know, you've heard talk, like you've mentioned, lack of motion, lack of shifts in the Buccaneers offense. Are they making Brady throw the ball way down the field, way more than he's comfortable doing? He's more of a 7, 8, 10-yard thrower as opposed to a 25, 30-yard thrower. What are your thoughts on what the, the evolution of the Buccaneers offense for the first 12 weeks? And how do you think this bye week is going to help them maybe move into the last four weeks of the season? So when if you and I had done this interview in August – I was just saying, you know what, between Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady, that that that, uh, you know, quarterback head, if you will, coaching head, those three together will be able to come up with some awesome concepts. Do what Tom does best, what Tom likes the best and use a little bit of what the coaches like the most and and put them together. And we're going to have something special. And that's without spring practice, without summer practice, without a training camp. These play, they're going to come up with something good. I've been I've been wholly uh, disappointed in what they've come up with from a creative standpoint. I'm so bored to tears and think that what they're doing is terrible most of the time. Have they made good plays? Did Gronk catch a touchdown pass this week? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> they've done some stuff. Um, I do a little thing uh, on local television here in Tampa and uh, after the games and we analyze a play or not. And I had been begging. I felt like I was uh, Gronkowski's agent. You know, like I'm trying to get him the ball. I don't need to try to get Gronk the ball. The Bucks need to try to get Gronk the ball. They didn't bring him in and pay him so that he could be a blocking tight end. And I don't know if you followed that, but um, Arians earlier in the season, yeah, we have wide receivers that can catch the ball. We don't need tight ends to catch the ball. Yeah. I'm like, are you in the biggest idiot in the world? Right. Who is Travis Kelsey? Who is, uh, there's a number of names that I can't even come up with right now, but there's some great receiving tight ends. Darren they Waller, are, Darren Waller for the Raiders. There are a lot right now, 10, 12 guys that are yep. just killing it in this league. Yep. And he says, we have receivers to do that. Well, right. no, you, you barely have receivers to do that. You have three unknown dudes. You got Mike Evans and you got Chris Godwin. And, and I think Godwin's okay. I think Mike 
I think they're misusing Mike and he's got 11 or 12 touchdowns on the year, which is going to set a Buccaneers record. Um, and they still haven't used him anywhere near like they should. Right. Right. And he's almost invisible in the first half of almost all of their games, not every single one, but almost all their games just this past week, Gronkowski was getting the ball. Mike Evans hadn't even seen the ball. And I'm thinking this dude is six, five. He's pretty darn fast. Anytime you get him singled up and you can create him to be singled up, you should be throwing him the ball. You will get a pass interference call or you will get a catch or an or incompletion. And it's okay to get incompletions, but just go right back to him, throw it again. And he's going to catch one out of two, right? Sure. Uh, or one out of three. And you got to, you got 30 yards down the field. doesn't matter. Um, I think they're misusing him. I think they took way too long to discover that Gronkowski is still an amazing talent. And I think they put his hand down on the ground way too much. You're abusing him by asking him to block. He is such a big body. Scoot him out, even put him outside as a wide receiver. Because, you know, with now with uh, four and five wide receiver sets, put Gronkowski on the outside. Who is going to guard him? If it's a linebacker, Gronkowski is more athletic and can, he can jump and catch better. If it's a small guy, he'll go up and over the top. He is a mismatch like crazy, and the Buccaneers have not exploited that at all. And Mike Evans isn't all that much different. If you had both of those guys out, out wide, Tom Brady would have a field day every single game. And then uh, move guys in and around them to create space, they would, they would be killing it. Um, I hate their running game. Have I gone on long enough? I hate the <laughs> running game. Ronald Jones is being misused. Right. He is a downhill runner, yes, but they they have not just tossed the ball outside and just see if we can if we can threaten the defense outside of the tackle box. Right. They run into the back of the guards or the center on a regular basis and get one yard, and then they throw an incompletion or they run again. And it's right. second and 10, second and nine. I mean, third and nine. Tom Brady, I don't know that. I do not have the stats. But I would be willing to bet that Tom Brady has thrown from third and eight or more, more than any quarterback in the league. That is not his fault. Why is he throwing downfield and sometimes missing? Because the first two plays have been horrific. I'm telling you, they don't run play action very well. They've run it some, and, and there's been some good plays out of it. But they don't really create very much from their play action game which they should they should really go back to play action all the time um but they just run the ball on first down and get one yard um and if you've been watching them that's yeah. what they do a lot um way too often they are way too predictable of an offense and they just don't even ronald jones has had a couple of breakout games and a couple of breakout runs but very few. And it's not because he's not a good runner. You see the speed he has, you see the power he has. Yeah. He can't catch it. He couldn't catch a ball to save his life. <laughs> they need a third down back like yesterday or way before yesterday, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones are the same back right. and neither one of them can catch. It was the second or third game of the season and Vaughn, I think he might, I don't know if he's even hurt or not, but he's they right. need a third down back. Right. McCoy hasn't seen the field. He's in a, he's in a uniform. He hasn't seen the field in a month or more. Um, they need a third down back that can that can get out of the backfield, run up on a linebacker, or it does even if it's a defensive back, it doesn't matter. Run up on him, go left or right. It's just an option route. Go left or right, catch the ball. That's what Tom Brady wants to throw. Pick up first downs and keep moving the chains. They're re I, I I was on a different uh, uh, thing the other night, and the and the guy that was opposing me said something about the Bucks um, 
depend too much on the pass and don't depend on the run enough. I'm thinking, why would you depend on that run? The way right. they run it, they, they, right. it's terrible. It's not helping them at all. Um, they need and a lot of those and a lot of those more. option routes are running plays. The 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 the, the swing routes, the little option routes, those are glorified running plays anyway. So that is that like like Tom had in New England with James White with Kevin Falk. Those are your those are running plays. I thought that's what we were going to really see a lot of of using that screen game to get the ball outside a little bit, get people in space, get the running back in space. Right now, I mean, Ronald Jones and, and uh, Fournette have both been disappointments in catching the ball. I right. mean, Tom has done, you know, Tom really has kept his cool um, very yeah. much so comparatively to what I've seen in the past. I mean, he, he has a he has a really straight face, you know, I mean, he hasn't blown up very many times other than um, at his center. Uh, right. when the center got a bad penalty Chicago, you know, after the, after in Chicago, remember that? Yeah. Yep. And he blew up at him. But other than that, Tom's really kept a, really kept a calm demeanor. Um, and I don't know if it's frustration and he's just, you know, he's seething inside, which, well, I know he is every single time a, a running back drops a, you know, an easy <laughs> ball. He is seething inside. I know that, but, um, there is so much potential for this offense that they are not using. Um, it's very frustrating as a fan. Uh, to watch yeah I mean and I, I think again I think there's still hope for him these last four weeks of the year obviously going into the playoffs I think this is a big week for the for the coaching staff so like you said if we're going to run the ball let's give Ronald Jones 18 carries a week let's don't go eight carries for him seven carries for Fournette because to me Ronald Jones is the better running back than Leonard Fournette at this point give him an opportunity to tote the ball 15 to 18 times a game and like you said be a little more creative on offense, have some shifts, have some motions, and not just run straight routes down the field and hope your guy can win. Have a little creativity, get Gronk more involved. So I think there's still hope, but like you said, the coaching staff needs to evolve a little bit with Tom. Yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating that we're this far into the season to think that things are going to change. Sometimes you can take that deep breath and a step back on, on your bye week and come up with some new, you know, maybe call call an old an old uh, ex-wife or a girlfriend or somebody <laughs> and get your get like, hey, what are you seeing out there? You know, call right. call a coach that you used to coach with um, who's been retired for 10 years. What are you seeing? And get a different get a different perspective or something that maybe they come up with something new in the, in the bye week. I hope so. But um unfortunately in my life history uh coaches can be kind of obstinate you know yeah. and like oh screw you we're you 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 think you know all the answers jeff carlson on some on a zoom call you think <laughs> you know all the answers we're in here every day you know at right. 5 a.m to, to 12 right. p.m or whatever it is uh, 12 a.m i guess till midnight we're not going to we're going to do what we do that's what right. we're we're going to do what we you know and, and they and they actually uh put their foot in the ground and say i'm not going to do what i what everybody in the newspapers and twitter tell us to do but um in this case i know exactly what i'm talking about you need to do everything i just said <laughs> <laughs> all right real quick thought on the defense obviously the defense has not played very well the last three four yeah. weeks what are your thoughts defensively moving forward more blitz less blitz because the corners seem to be having some issues coverage-wise. You know, when the Buccaneers were uh, incredible right around the turn of the century, um, they created a, a ton of pressure with their front four, and then Rondé Barber would blitz every once in a while and do something different. But um, this team is not getting enough quarterback pressure out of their front four. 
uh, Shaquille Barrett was unstoppable last year. Um, he's made some, he's made some splash plays this year, but not very many. Um, they're not, they're just not getting enough with the front four. And that's a problem. I don't know how to fix it um, because they got to, they got to win, right? They have to win and um, come around the edge and, and spin inside and they've got to make some plays and then spring one extra guy. Um, but that's, they're, they're beating the defense because the front four is not getting uh, enough quarterback pressure. So um, then you have to bring five and then you have to bring six. And I know in, on the broadcast, they've mentioned that, um, that Todd Bowles, blitzes more than anybody in the league or pretty darn close so when you bring more than most people you're leaving yourself vulnerable in the backfield um matching up man-to-man against the kansas city chiefs it's a rough (laughs) go for anybody no matter how talented you are but i'll tell you what the way they did it um they lost they they lost the play before it was ever snapped most of the time um that they uh, tyreek hill scored on a long crossing route yeah he was he was beat before the play ever happened. This, the, you know, the, the game was done and he scored. That was the one he backflipped on. I, I look, I analyzed that, that play after the game and um, it didn't matter if he went across the field or up the field, he was going to win. So um, it, it's tough, but uh, they just, their front four has to do a better job to help the, to help the back seven. Cool. Cool. All right. Let's get to a topic a little closer to your heart. Your son, your son was an accomplished quarterback in the Tampa Bay area. Steinbrenner High School. Now he's got the opportunity to play at Florida International, FIU. Coach Butch Davis down there. Just your general thoughts, how happy you are as a dad more than a – forget the football, the coaching part. (laughs) Just how happy you are for your son to get an opportunity to play at the next level. Well, extremely happy. You know, um, we took an unconventional route. Um, When he was uh, kindergarten and first grade, uh, you know, I've trained quarterbacks – the, his whole life, right? The entire, his entire life, my other son's life before they were born, I was coaching uh, training quarterbacks. And, um, I didn't want to, I did not want to pressure them to do what I did Right. It, it, playing quarterback and playing football. It's a tough sport. It's tough. Um, and so when he was in first grade, give or take, um, his friends played soccer and, he got into, he got into soccer with his friends and really didn't do anything else. Um, later on, they, they both picked up, um, street hockey and then ice hockey we did for like a couple years, never anything formal, but so they kind of, you know, they tested the waters out in, in all sports, but, um, the youngest one, the older one played football every year, one way or another, he played football every year. The younger one, he was exclusively on a travel soccer team. And he did that up until um, basically his freshman year. Um, and he just, he, he burned out on soccer on his own. Yep. So even though dad would say negative things about soccer um, under his breath, you know, before we had dinner and I was <laughs> praying, I would say, and soccer sucks. Um, and, you know, just did all kinds of subliminal things about how bad soccer is. Uh, that's a joke for all you soccer fans out there. I was just <laughs> messing around. You know, I took to it. I watched, I ended up watching a lot of premier league soccer, you know, as it, as it developed over here. Um, I mean, cable TV did so we could watch a lot of English soccer. So I, I watch and, and really tried to get into it, but he ended up burning out his freshman year. And, um, he, he played, um, flag football in junior high school, just for the, just for the school team, you know, just something a little, but that, that was it. And then, um, he finally just said, I think he thought in his head, 
listen, I'm not going, I'm not going to the English Premier League. I'm right. not going to wherever. And when you start getting to that level, you go, wait, all the kids in college are from South America and England or Europe is where our American scholarships in soccer go to foreigners. Okay. Yep. And so it's very hard to, to do that and play at a high level. And I think he just saw, you know what? I can throw the ball pretty well. And, you know, I don't know if he had, had me in his head at all, as far as, um, you know, my dad can teach me and, and all that. But um, we, we ended up going to Steinbrenner um, and we, we almost followed my other son at Tampa Catholic. He went to Tampa Catholic and we almost uh, followed him and just decided to go a different route. And we went to Steinbrenner didn't know what the quarterback situation was. That really wasn't the, it was, it's a really great school. Yeah. Um, and so we went there and in his freshman year, um, the senior quarterback, uh, had already torn his ACL and decided he couldn't play his senior year. And there was, they only had one other quarterback. So the coach calls me, Hey, can I, can I bring Hayden up from the JV? Hayden's never played a game of tackle football. He played in a little church league when he was seven years old, he hasn't played football since. So he has not played in a tackle football game. Now he's on an eight, a Florida <laughs> football program. And he's never played in a tackle, a tackle football game in his life. And he's the backup quarterback. Right. Um, it was interesting. Now he didn't play that freshman year. He, he only um, got into a couple of games and just barely threw a pass or two. Um, no big deal. Come this, come this sophomore year, he's the starting quarterback. So he still hasn't played in a game and now he's the starting quarterback. And uh, the team struggled through that sophomore year for a lot of reasons. Um, and the junior year was only slightly better. And then um, a coaching change, um, at the offensive coordinator position changed the world. And that, you know, we're talking about coaching, right? It, right. it matters. Um, seven games into the season, the coaching uh, changed and the handcuffs were taken off. And we're yeah. talking about Tom Brady and certain, you know, just styles and things. The handcuffs were taken off. And in those final four games, he emerged as, man, this kid can play. And his senior year, everything went great. Uh, the team went um, nine and zero. Right. And uh, ended up losing their final game of the regular season. But they ended up playing to the final four in 8A football. They had never won the district. They had never won a playoff game. They had never won the region, obviously. But they were re they were region champs. And then there were a final four team. And then they just ran into a team that uh, Apopka, as you know, over in Orlando is a, is a powerhouse. Sure. And um, I can't I can't think of his name now. But um, he is he is at Georgia. He's a defensive lineman at Georgia now. Last year he was at Apopka. It was about the third play of the game, and he grabbed my son by the by the collar in here, and just kind of spun him around about three or four times like a cartoon, and slammed him down to the ground. And uh, reality kind of hit, and we were a little overwhelmed uh, in that game, and we lost. But um, uh, Hayden Hayden won the um, the. Uh, uh, Guy Toff award here in Tampa for best senior player in Hillsborough County. And then um, now he's down at, now he's down at FIU. Couldn't be happier that he is. Um, they're struggling through a, a crazy, crazy COVID sure, sure. football season. They've only played five games so right. far. Um, and they just, and they just had their uh, game for Saturday canceled. They might play one more game against Marshall. Um, and it's just been a strange year. So, um, and he hasn't played at all and that's okay. He's okay with it. He, yeah. it's just, you know, it's just the team's in a weird situation and, um, he's okay not playing this year. I think he, the way the rules are now, he gets to come back next year as a true freshman. Right. Um, and start again. 
Yeah. So I, I'm trying to take a deep breath, um, but he's, he's super talented. And if things go well, um, the last two FIU quarterbacks are in the NFL. And, um, and that's one of the reasons I wanted him to go there. And uh, I think he can take that team to, to heights they haven't had. And, uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm very happy. And we're making our trip down to Miami on a regular basis. How hard is it for you as the football coach and the guru and the teacher to want to interject and say, hey, Hayden, why aren't you doing this? Or, hey, on this read, even though coach is telling you to read it over here, read over here, how hard is it, is it for you to, to try to step back and be the dad and not be so much the coach? Who said, who said I'm stepping back? Who said I'm not? <laughs> what, what, why, do you make, why do you make that assumption? Um, uh, I've had to do that his entire high school career. Um, wow. I've had to weigh it out. Um, and, you know, uh, a local a local TV channel here or Spectrum, I guess that's one I work for. Um, yeah. They came out and did it, did a, um, a expose on it. And and I kind of lied about what how I how involved I am. And, and the coach did a really nice thing and said that I'm managing the, the dad coach uh, <laughs> conundrum, you know, perfectly. Yeah. I don't know that I'm doing it perfectly. I'm just trying the best I can. I have to um, take Valium and a few other uh, pharmaceutical products to keep myself calmed down. Uh, that was a joke. That was just a joke. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to take a step back. It's hard yeah. not to, but I, I text my son play concepts and I, um, I talk to him about different things. And really though, this, and especially this year, it's been about managing him mentally, right. um, not, not mentally football, mentally being away it's from life. home. Life. COVID, absolutely a life part. I, I struggled my first year at Weber State yeah. um, of being away from Southern California. I was in a small Utah town and it's snowing and and I didn't like my coach that much and there was a lot of going on and I and I wanted to transfer. I wanted to leave and I ended up you know sticking it out and all that. So it was a good life lesson and I'm trying to get that give those life lessons to him that you know it's a tough year. Weird things are happening. Let's just get through this year and we'll figure it out afterwards. Um, you know, but he, he says he's good, uh, but you just you, you just never know uh, because uh, you just got to you got to you got to stay in communication with your kids because it's, it's just hard on everybody. You know, whether you're trying to keep sure. your job or uh, or you don't have a job and you're trying to figure it out. It's, it's, it's been a weird year and I'm just trying to manage being a dad and uh, and still help him as best yeah. I can on the football field. And the good thing is at FIU, you got obviously, a, you know, you got a quality staff, Butch Davis, history, winning history, all that stuff. So from a, from, you know, it's your co that his coach knows kind of what they're doing down there. He does. He's in a good situation. It seems like they've had a good, they've had some good years down there in the past and there'll probably be some opportunity to play as they move forward for sure. Yep. Think so. Yep. Great. All right. Last thing, just talk a little about your football camp and your football. I know you train kids all the time. Tell the audience maybe if they have any interest in, in reaching out to you, how they can do that and uh, let you talk about what you're doing with them. Sure. I've been uh, coaching and training kids, you know, from from seven years old um, up to up to the pro level for many years. And I used to do the big camps, you know, the run around. And uh, I, I, I tired of that just because there's not a lot of teaching going on. There's mostly keeping you busy. Hey, right. you know, there's a bunch of kids doing this over there and you throw and you run and you, Hey, you didn't throw, Hey, next time, throw that more accurately, get back in the back of the line and, you know, and they wait their turn and all that kind right. of stuff. So a number of years ago, I just turned to, I teach mechanics. I teach people how to throw the ball properly. And within that, it develops into 
um, more and more as far as understanding uh, what defenses are trying to do to you, what you're trying to do to defenses. But um, I just, I'm a one-on-one -on -one guy. doesn't matter how old you are, um, but I do quarterbacks and receivers. And um, I'm right here in the, I'm, well, I'm in the North Tampa area. I train mostly in North Tampa. I don't travel too much. If you want to get trained, you're going to come to me. Uh, so I'm in the North Tampa in uh, Land Lakes area and uh, tr train just about every, every night of the week and on the weekends. And um it's been fun. I keep doing it. I love it because, you know, each each time I meet somebody new, it's a new um, new opportunity, new new possibilities. And I get to live vicariously through people um, and whether it's high schools all over the Tampa Bay area or when they move on to college, I get to I get to follow them. So um, you can you can check out it's America's best QB .com, America's best QB .com. And um, you can find I mean, I'm not yeah. hard to find. You put my name in, a, in the search, you'll find you'll be able to find me and get in contact. It's crazy. Again, I do some work with kickers and punters. I kicked and punted in college, so I, I work with a bunch of local in the area too. It's crazy how much the quarterback position, especially, has evolved from again 15, 20 years ago of the seven-on-seven seven camps, the personal instruction opportunities. I mean, it's just crazy how much more ready those high school kids are to play in college. Those college kids can make the immediate jump in the NFL and be productive because of all the passing and because of all the instruction that we're all providing in different kids and all that around the country. So it's, it's a great job that you're, what you're doing. Um, so congratulations on that. Congratulations with your son. Hope you have a great holiday, Jeff, and I really appreciate your time today and uh, check, check Jeff out again. If you need some help, help check him out. Jeff also does some analysis work for spectrum sports in the Tampa Bay areas and good luck with that. And good luck with Thank the Colton state championships here in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Have a great day, Jeff. Thanks. You too. Thank you. All right, we're back. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview we had with former NFL quarterback Jeff Carlson. Lots of good stuff Jeff was spouting out about quarterback playing all. And now our next guest on the podcast is my man back from the S my SEC insider live from Birmingham, Alabama. So welcome in Mr. Michael Banks back to the to the broadcast podcast, whatever you want to call this. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks, Jason. How's it how's it been going? It's going okay. Going okay. Before we get started, you're you're right there in the epicenter of ESPN, the highlights, the game of the day, Scott Van Pelt. Thompson High School with the miraculous finish in the 7A state championship game, a place we both know very well, Thompson High School right there in Birmingham. A wild finish yep. last night against Auburn High School. Was the game in Tuscaloosa or was it at Auburn? Yeah, it was in Bryant-Denny. Uh, so Auburn High School is playing in the state championship in Tuscaloosa against Thompson High School. Mike, give us the quick <laughs> – the quick rundown of the, of the of the wild turn of events down Thompson is down nine points with about 30 seconds minute and a half to go Auburn's kneeling down to kill the clock and then what happens and this is five days after Auburn the Auburn Tigers came in and got curb stomped by Alabama in Bryant Denny as well just to just yeah. a side note there a but uh yeah uh yeah they down nine with less than a minute and a half uh, kneel down central from for Auburn High School down back, yeah back towards their own goal line they end up having to punt the ball block punt runs it in for a touchdown 
onside kick and then uh play or two, I think. I, I can't remember. It was one or two plays into field goal range. And uh, walk-off winner. They kick a 35-yard field goal at the gun. 29-28, Thompson back-to-back state champions. They finish up undefeated. For for those of you that don't know Thompson High School, that is where Tua's little brother, Talia, went after Tua came to Alabama from Hawaii. Yeah. The family moved to Alabaster, which is where Thompson is. And and Talia went uh, and played two years for, for the Warriors and Thompson. And Thompson has always never really been a really good program here in the state. And then Talia went and kids have started to move that way. And uh, they've, they've now taken back-to-back state championships and taken the, the crown from Hoover as the team to beat right now. Everybody knows Hoover high school from the, from the glory days. days of MTV and all that stuff. Yeah. A national power most, most years, but Thompson is, they made a and great I'm, hire about five years ago. They hired a new coach who had yeah, a bunch and, of success. They pumped a bunch of money into the program, artificial turf field, new facilities, and they're trying to be big league comp- competitors. And now they've won two state championships in a row. So yeah, we, and we that's know my, that high school very well. And I'm a Hoover alumnus, so it, it, it does pain me when to see my to see my team not to be the one on top after so many years. They, uh, Hoover's won six state titles in the in the last uh, you know 12, 13 years or something like that. Something crazy. Uh, ever since the two-a-days um, MTV fame, as you were mentioning. So, yeah, yes. some crazy stuff here right down the street, about 45 minutes from me here in, uh, here in, in uh, Alabama. Yeah, and I've, and I've refereed many a Friday nights at Thompson High School. That's yep. the game we used to referee is when I was refereeing in Alabama. So I know Thompson very well when they were terrible. Back in the days, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when they were 2-8, and 3-7 and seven kind of team every year, all yeah, of a just, sudden, all of a sudden, all those kids have all of a sudden popped up in Alabaster. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah, for real. Talia, Talia's soft or junior year, his first year, which would have been Tua's freshman year at Alabama, and obviously Tua would have been a senior this year. Um, they beat Hoover for the first time in, I think, 30, 33 years in the right. regular season, but then Hoover repaid them in the playoffs. They, they, uh, Hoover won the state championship that year. Talia then, uh, they lost in the regular season his senior year, but beat Hoover in the playoffs um, that that year, but then lost before the state championship. And now the two years since Talia's been gone, they have uh, back-to-back state titles. So, yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah, I, um, you know, a little side note, I'll tell you about my, my – I, I, I'm fortunate I'm going to referee tomorrow night in, like, the quarterfinals of the Florida high school championships. I'm going to be down at Palmetto High School – but last Friday night, I refereed Manatee versus St. Thomas Aquinas. For those of you that know St. Thomas, they're a national powerhouse yep. in high school football. And over my left, sh- over my shoulder all night calling defensive plays was one Hall of Famer Miami Dolphin, Jason Taylor, as the defensive nice. coordinator, barking out signals all night long to his defense. His, uh, his son – his son played – at least one of his sons plays for St. Thomas. I think he might have actually had two kids on the team, but one for sure was playing. So that was kind of my Friday night last week was me and Jason Jason uh, Taylor shooting the, shooting the shit a little bit on the sidelines. He had a couple of choice words for the quarterback when his team was up 38 to nothing on defense. The other quarterback ran out of bounds a couple times to avoid getting crushed, and he was not real thrilled with that quarterback not – 
not not taking a lick and running out of bounds, <laughs> preserving his body. <laughs> so, all right. So we'll see what tomorrow night at Palmetto High School has in store for one Pewter Powers in the quarterfinals. St. Thomas uh, came up here and played Hoover a couple years ago, actually. Yep. They, Hoover, uh, Hoover schedules a lot of these big-name teams from Florida, Georgia, uh, even Texas they played. Yep. Uh, when, T- when Tebow was um, at in high school, Hoover Senior played. Year. Te- yeah, yep. Tebow played up here in Hoover um, before he you know committed to Florida. So, yeah, Hoover, Hoover plays – plays those teams pretty regularly they're they're, oh, not, yeah. they're not afraid to go out and schedule those games absolutely absolutely how about that rush probes and that double life leading how, how'd that work out <laughs> hey man you know niblet's been here for over 10 years can you believe that uh, uh old josh big big game josh yep all right let's get to some college football activity we are at the tail end of the year of the regular season covid is running wild here the last three weeks or so I mean, the count of number of games canceled, postponed, suspended, whatever, has got to be close to 75 or 80 for the year. Easy. It's not 100. Uh, I mean, uh, probably tor- closer towards 100. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. it's crazy. And, you know, the, you just, the sheer calendar says we're running out of time here because all these championship games, I believe, are on the 19th of December, which yep. is basically two weeks from Saturday. And yep. those aren't getting moved. Those games are getting played on the 19th one way or the other. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't understand what the rush is, like, to try to get this in. Like, I, I understand the whole Rose Bowl thing, and God forbid they play on a day other than January 1st, you know, the sacred cow. But could we not, you know, because of the pandemic that we're experiencing, maybe move that game back a couple of weeks and let these games get in? Or I don't know. It just seems like they're just trying to cram it all in. You know, you got Bama and LSU this week. Then you got LSU and Florida next week, but then Bama's going to play Arkansas. It pretty much, if you know, all Bama has to do is win next uh, beat beat LSU, they've clinched. All Florida has to do is win their game, they've clinched. Cancel those two games. Notre Dame and Clemson are about to do the same thing in the ACC. I, you know, here, here, here. I'll give you a couple reasons why they're kind of squeezed up by the calendar a little bit. One, you can't play the following week after the 19th because of Christmas. So you can't True. be playing the day after Christmas. You don't want to do that. Two, you need to be done in early January only because these prospects have to get ready for the NFL Combine in February. And you can't be rolling up till February playing college football games because all these kids that are NFL big-time prospects aren't going to play in the college game. They're going to – even though it's a championship situation, they got to think about their future. So these guys got to be done, have a little rest time and recovery so they yeah. get ready for the Combine. And, but you know what? I mean, by the time we get to that, there's only going to be about four teams that are going to have anybody still playing because all these other guys are quitting anyways. And, yes, I use the word quit because it's December. The opt-out phrase is done. That's right. a tired phrase. That's back from, from September. Don't Terrence Marshall quit. He didn't opt out. He quit. Right. I get it. Yeah. So uh, most of these guys have already, you know, have already made up their minds and said, hey, yep. I'm, we're – looking towards the future. I get that. I get that. It just, it is, it's a lot of, you know, feels like we're just cramming them in here. And well, at this and point, here, and, there's and, only about se- seven or eight teams that it, it even matters to anymore. And here's where I'll give the SEC, the ACC, the credit. They started back in September. So yep. even though they're not going to play a full 12 games, most of those guys are going to play nine or 10 games 
whereas yep. the S, whereas the Big Ten, i.e. Ohio State, is one up against it because they started way late. They had some COVID issues. They still having some COVID issues. They may not get in six games, which is going to make them ineligible for the Big Ten. And to me, if you don't play at least, to me, you should have to play at least seven games to be eligible for the playoff. But that's going to be the dilemma for the playoff committee is if Ohio State only plays six games, are you going to, are you going to, put, are you going to vote them in over a one-loss Clemson or a one-loss Notre Dame or a one-loss Florida or Texas A&M? That's the dilemma of starting the season so much later than the SEC did with Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, personally, I, <clears throat> I'm, I feel – I mean, you say seven, I feel eight. I, th- I think that you got to have at least eight. I mean, to really – you know, I, I, seven, fine. I, I, don't, I don't think six is enough. I, I mean, I understand that six is – you know, you win six, you're, you're bowl eligible in, in a typical year. But um, I, I – and not only that, who, who in the world – Besides Indiana, Ohio State will have no games that we're going to be that are going to be against any real competition, because by the time they get to the Big Ten championship game, if there is even a Big Ten championship game, who are they playing? Right. I mean, Northwestern. You know, it, Northwestern. You're playing. You're playing Northwestern. I mean, yeah, I, I know they're they're better than Reese Davis, but I, I, you know, <laughs> and that's the, and that's and that's the issue with Ohio State is. Penn State was really down this year. Michigan was down this year. So it's not it's not all Ohio State's fault. But when you only play six games, you don't have any good any really good wins. Yep. Then you're going to get affected in the in you should get affected in the in the breakdown of who's got the stronger team and strength of schedule and all that stuff. Well, and especially you know everybody's using conference only. There is no out of conference strength right. of schedule. But right now. If you looked at the strength of the conferences, the Big Ten's strength of conference is not very good. It's just not right. a very good. I mean, Wisconsin's a good team, but they can't play. Any, they've played barely played. Indiana's a good team, but now they ha- they're without their dynamic quarterback. Ohio State, that's it. The the rest of that conference is not very good this year. I mean, like right. you said, your Penn when Penn State's down, Michigan's down. Uh, you know, Nebraska's always down, but. Those teams are down. It's going to make it. It's going to make it tough for uh, for, for right. Ohio State, like you said. Yep. So, all right. So, do you have any issues with the rankings this week? Alabama one, Notre Dame two. What was it? Clemson was Clemson three or four? But it was Clemson, were... Ohio State. It was yeah. those four yeah. were the four. Are you going to have? Do you have any issues? Any? What do you think of BYU at fourteen and Cincinnati at like eight or nine? I thought BYU at fourteen was a little low for them. I, I don't. I personally don't see. I don't think they should be in the top ten. Really? Maybe I, I don't. I mean, I I get that they're undefeated, but again, they have not played. I mean, you're playing North Alabama. I mean, yeah, come on. I mean, I, yeah, that's one. That's one. Uh, game you, you know, I know, but still, I mean, when you got a North Alabama on your schedule, it, it's hard. It's hard for anybody to go. Well, this team's legit, and I understand there. There's you know, but uh, let let let's are they just, any are they any less legit than Ohio State? Based on who they played, I mean, you can make that argument, but let let's be real. Let's be real. If you put those two teams on the same field, you really think that BYU is going to give them a fight? I, I've heard lots of people out of Vegas have said that if if BYU were to play Notre Dame or BYU were to play an Alabama or Clemson, okay. Notre, no, they said no, they said if BYU would play Notre Dame, the point spread would be like three or four points. If they played in Alabama. Uh, It'd only be like nine or ten. It's not like it'd be a twenty-one point, you know, beating. 
I mean, they this year I will say BYU is fully legit on the offensive and defensive line. They've got legit lines of scrimmage I mean, power. They've got you know, good, their quarterback's really good. That Zach Wilson is really good. But you know, I, in the in the grand scheme of things, is it really going to matter? Are you going to put them in a playoff? Forget about Ohio State, right? Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and then take your pick between Florida, Texas A and M, or even Cincinnati. You're going to put right. them in over Cincinnati. I'm not. I'm not putting them in over Cincinnati. Right. So. I don't think it really matters in the grand scheme of things. It, I still think they get a, a, a group of six or whatever it is, uh, but I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, you're, I, you're telling me you're telling me BYU couldn't compete with Texas A&M. No, I I think I, I, think, I think they could. I think they could. I mean, I, I don't agree with how bad Texas A&M kind of got killed this week because of how how bad their win was, so to speak. The team hadn't played for nearly a month. I mean, you got to give team comes off nearly a month off. You got to give not them when some you're playing kind that of, team. Not when you're playing that garbage yeah. at LSU. No, I mean I, I get it, but you know, I, I I just think they come out and lay an egg again this week. Okay, I got yeah. I'm I'm right. all I'm all on I'm all on board. I'm, I'm just kind of like, hey, give them a pass for the team hadn't played in forever. I mean, that, I they you. hadn't played in forever. It, it, it's tough to come back. You know. I will. Here's what I will give College BYU credit. Like that. I'll give BYU credit this week. They were supposed to not play. Liberty had to bail out against Coastal Carolina, who's ranked. BYU yep. said on one day's notice, sign us up. We'll be there. So they're playing Coastal Carolina this Saturday on the road at their place. So give BYU full credit for that. And if they hey. have a big win. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I heard about that just a minute ago on Twitter. I was like, wow. I thought I thought Coastal Carolina was playing Liberty, so I went and looked up closer or or more in depth and found that out. And yeah, that's you know they are willing to play, and now now we will see what they're. I mean, you know, I don't think we're going to see what they're made of from playing Coastal Carolina, who is a good team, but you know, at least they're at least they're trying. And here's what ought to happen next week: both teams have a bye next week. BYU should play Cincinnati somewhere in some place in this country. Yeah. To, to knock one of them out, to legitimize one of them, they ought to it play can only somewhere. Help, it can only help the one that that's going to win. Yeah, it, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt the one that loses, and even the one that loses might not get hurt that bad. I mean, yeah, they're not going to be in a, a playoff, but it could legitimize them to Absolutely. maybe jump that Ohio State. Absolutely, in, in those rankings because because I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I mean, we all unless something crazy happens, Florida's not making this thing, not with two losses because you. I, I, no, I don't, Florida, I don't, no, Florida doesn't beat Alabama. They're out. They're out. And and I don't think you can put Texas A&M in over an undefeated team unless they really show something for these last two games. And they haven't and I mean shown it yet. They haven't yeah, shown I mean, it they've yet. Got, they've got to turn it on, and they've got to start blowing people out. But you're not going to put them in as a four seed to play Alabama again and get the doors blown off of them again, because that's exactly what will happen. Just like it did in Tuscaloosa, it'll happen the same way in, in New Orleans or Atlanta or wherever the hell it is that first game is. And, and that, well, so that's not happening either. The but, issue is uh, going to be, here's the issue. If Florida, if Alabama beats Florida, Florida's out. If Notre Dame beats Clemson, Clemson's out. Yeah. Who gets the fourth spot then? And, and what if Ohio State doesn't have enough games? And right, you could have two spots. Right. <laughs> then I and think then, 
Then Cincinnati's in the mix. Cincinnati's in the mix. And then that's why it becomes even more crucial to go for BYU to go play Cincinnati to help either one of them out because they could, especially if BYU wins at Coastal on short notice. Yep. And Cincinnati. Yeah. And and then would beat Cincinnati. Absolutely. You could be looking at a, they could be, BYU could be playing Alabama that first first round. That's the doomsday scenario is if Clemson loses a second time and Florida loses, do you take a one loss if, if Northwestern were to beat Ohio State? In the Big Ten, do you take yeah. a one-loss Northwestern? That's yeah, good. yeah. This is going to be this. I mean, this this is going to be the most interesting playoff. I know it, it, we kind of say this almost every year, like this is going to be the most, but this one's truly the most interesting one because the scenarios that could happen could truly put them into positions that they've never been, which right. is. We can't get Ohio State in, and we and which they love to do. We can't get uh, a Clemson in, which they love to do. Right. You know, they want they want the big names in there. It's better TV ratings. Let's be honest. Sure. sure. So yeah, this could be a this could be an interesting an interesting um, or it will be an interesting playoff selection for These sure. Next couple of weeks, yeah, we'll know again two weeks from this. We wrap that. All right, let's hit a couple quick college football notes, and we'll move on. Mackenzie Milton transferring from UCF, the quarterback who had the gruesome leg injury two years ago and yeah. here, here at Ray J against USF. He's put his name in the transfer portal. Good for him, man. He's not going to yeah. play at UCF. You know, he needs to go play at a smaller – a school like a Liberty, a school like a Coastal Carolina, something like that. He's not going to probably play at a big-time division Power 5 school because of his injury. He needs to play at, a, at a, one of those type of schools where he'll have an opportunity to play and he's got two more years of eligibility. Good for him for sticking it out, rehabbing, and getting an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a great story. You know, it's right along the lines of what Alex Smith has overcome yep. in Washington and in, in yep. the NFL. Um, and, and, I mean, you're talking about pretty much the same in, same type of injuries where they almost lost their legs. Yep. You know, I mean, I don't know the specifics of the injury, but when you almost lose your leg and amputation is is literally like, the next step um, and you're back to playing football. That's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I, th- I think it, you know, maybe, a, maybe a, a smaller D one uh, power, you know, power five school Yep. somewhere that, you know, a place I'm going to give you a great example, a place like USF here in Tampa had all kind yeah. of quarterback problems, need a player. Now, again, is he going to be the same player he was two years ago? No, probably not, but, That'd be a good name to bring into the program, a positive light, a guy that's got a lot of winning experience, culture, yeah. that kind of stuff. So a guy like him at a place like USF or, you know, like I said, a Coastal Carolina kind of place, a Liberty kind of place that's kind of on the rise, but not humongous Division One football. Well, especially a place like Liberty where you – if if Freeze is still there, you're going to play for a great offense and yeah. it's really going to help your case. So, yeah. Right. All right, let's go to Derek Mason getting fired at Vanderbilt. I don't have a problem with him necessarily getting fired because he's not one and he's had a really poor year. Obviously, this year has been crazy with COVID. Do you give him another year based on that? Here's what I had the biggest problem with. Vanderbilt just got all the the positive publicity with Sarah Fuller playing in the game. Great accomplishment, great story. Something that Derek Mason was very instrumental in happening. He allowed yes. it to happen. He encouraged it. He brought her on board. 
And for him to get fired the next day, to me, is just super tacky by the university. If you're going to fire him, wait till the regular wait. season's over. Yep. Let, let get to, get past Christmas, and then you then you have a small announcement, and you, and you and you get rid of him. And you do it like you said after all the hype from Sarah Fuller has died down. You yeah. do it when 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 you know. You do it after the SEC championship game, or like you said, during the playoffs, something where where it's kind of back page news. No, nobody right. really looks. I agree with you. Yes. Now, at the same time, I understand you fire based on results, but Vanderbilt puts no money into their program. Their facilities right. are trash. Let's let's be honest. I mean, Sarah Fuller's kicking on a better field at at in soccer than she is in, in, in if she plays a home game at uh, Memorial Stadium. I mean, we you if you've been there, you know it, it, it's a tra- it's garbage. Yep. So if you're not going to put any money into the program, you're really not going to shouldn't expect anything, right? Um, and and they and they could they could they they could be a decent team if they would just put some money into the place. Right. You you can win with teams that are so called smart programs. Duke does it in basketball. Stanford has figured out North, a way to do North it in Western, football. Northwestern. Northwestern has done it in football. It's done it in yep. basketball. Yep. It can be done. You got to put money into it. Uh, but I agree with you. It was a great story this weekend. I mean, my daughter, I have a 10-year-old daughter, and she's sitting there watching TV, and it, you know, like she goes, I don't really want to play football. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's not the point. The point is that you can do whatever you want. And she's asked me for so many years, can girls play football? Hey, if you if you can, you can, and and right. she proved it. And now you come off and do something like this. It did. I, I was I was very stunned that it happened right after because it almost looks like it almost made it look like we fired you because you put the girl right. on the team, and right. that's even worse. Right. So. No, I was very tacky with the administration. Yeah. Poor, 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 poor taste there. And uh, good for Mason will get a job as a defensive coordinator somewhere. He's yes. a good defensive guy. Yes, he is. You know, yeah. He's, he'll get a job and. And it's another, and it's another blow to the to minorities. There's there's already so few minority head coaches in college football. One more gets fired. Yeah. And well, and, and, and like and like the intro says, Urban Meyer ain't walking through that door. No, <laughs> nobody. Yeah, I mean, you know, I heard him on SEC Network on Monday morning, and they're talking about like uh, trying to get the guy from Coastal Carolina to come, and they're like, he ain't coming there, right? Because that's not that big of a step up if you're not going to put any money into the into right. the facilities and he can get a job at a Georgia Tech or someplace like that right now. He doesn't need to go to Vanderbilt. Right. Uh, but yeah, it it was it was it was a bad it was a bad. But uh, you know, yeah, he'll get a job as a defensive coordinator. He'll get a job as a defensive coordinator in the SEC. I mean, he right. is a right. good defensive coordinator. Guy will take him in, in Alabama, you know, once he takes Pete's keys, <laughs> he'll take him really quick. So I mean, although Pete has turned it around, but uh, but yeah, he he's a good he's a great defense coordinator. He'll 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 get a he'll get a I don't job know about he, he may not be he's not great, but he's a good coach. He's a good defensive coach. He's a good coach, and and he'll be a good recruiter for whatever program he goes to yep. as well. So that'll yep. help as well. All right, couple game. We'll, let's talk about a couple quick games here, and we'll we'll move on. Is Florida in any tr- any upset alert going to Knoxville this week? I think they're if the weather is bad. And I've heard that it's supposed to be snowing. If it snows, yeah. th- how, how many times has Florida played in snow? Think about never, this. Never. <laughs> how many times has Florida played in Knoxville in December? Never. It, these are uncharted territories and uncharted waters for some of these programs. If it's bad weather and Tennessee could control the running game, 
right and and control the clock control the ball i don't know i mean you you there it it could be uh i don't think it's going to happen but there is a it's definitely helpful that it's in knoxville and if if that weather is like what what it's supposed to be like all right last one back in your neck of the woods auburn hosts a&m i think this is big upset alert for texas a&m yeah, they it, like I said earlier, they're going to have to come out and run. I mean, run them out of the gym. Uh, the only thing I think I think A and M is kind of ripe for an upset. The only thing that would worry me is 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 Auburn. Are they are they playing for anything anymore? I mean, they just got blown out by their rival. Usually, these rivalry games, this is it. Auburn's season is over. Right. You know, looking on to the Sun Bowl or the Shreveport Independence Bowl. Uh, so if, if do they have enough motivation to to get up for True. this game? I if agree. they do, if they do, yes, they have the talent to beat AM, no question. If they don't, mm, it's gonna be tough. Right, right. I'm with you. I think I think I think you'll get a big effort out of Malzahn and his guys because you know they weren't supposed to win the game last week, obviously against Alabama, but I do think you'll get a good effort against uh Texas AM. All right. So you're listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Got Michael Banks on board from Birmingham, Alabama. Talking a lot of college football. We're going to get ready to head to the NFL here. Um, So appreciate you listening. Tell your friends about our podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. So we'd appreciate it. Give us a listen. Share it with your friends who are all big sports fans. Again, we just had Jeff Carlson on, former NFL quarterback. So we'll, we're going to we're going to give you good information, good content leading into the football weekend and moving forward. National Football League, Mike. We are in week thirteen. Fantasy leagues, most fantasy leagues are getting close to the end here, the end of the regular season. We're getting the the, the stretch run here for for again fantasy owners for playoff positioning for fantasy and real football your thoughts yeah it's uh it, pewter it's coming. a must win situation in a well, rare even, must win for pewter powers even if you win if i win it's it's uh lights out buddy so but i can still get a wild card berth but my nope. point is no 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 it doesn't look like it I, i'm running the numbers one more time but it's not looking good for you <laughs> It's not looking good for you. Oh God, Pewter. <laughs> it would have to. It there would be a lot of things to come. Yeah, you got you got to really pull for the Pinoche this week, and that's not that's not a good thing to do right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it is. It's I cannot believe the fantasy season is in pretty much most everybody's fantasy season is in their last regular season game. It's crazy. The year even even with all the craziness that's happened, you know the postponements and everything else the year's really flown by i mean it's 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 over with it seems it just seems like we just started and we and we even had a wednesday night miracle this week not monday yes. night miracles it wednesday was a- afternoon miracle. wednesday afternoon miracle yes yes yeah so we've had how about this uh if they played on a friday i'm sorry by the end of the year after after the season's done saying that there's no more postponements or anything else the NFL will have played a game on every day of the week this season because we played Monday, we played Tuesday, we played Wednesday, Thursday. They're going to play a game, I believe, on Christmas Day. Saturday. They got a couple Saturday games coming. Saturday games, and then 
and then obviously Sunday. So uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. For, right. for NFL fans, that's a, that's a dream come true, right? That's right, man. All <laughs> right, let's talk. Let's get to your your heart and soul. One Matty P and Mr. Bob Quinn up in Detroit Rock City. Mike is giving the salute like "See you later." <laughs> Fine. Your, your thoughts on the pencil on the pencil getting the deuces from Martha. Peace, peace out. That, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Thanks for your service. Thanks for screwing us up for another five years or however long it's going to take to rebuild this nonsense. We talked about this back in the draft uh, preview back in April. You and I talked about it. Trade Stafford. Trade him. Get a first. Trade him. Get a first round pick. Another maybe a second first round pick for next year or another second round pick this year. Draft Tua. Draft Herbert. Either one. Herbert, right. Either one. Who cares? Flip a coin. Draft either one. Start over. Rebuild. But because Quinn and Patricia are in the last year, basically on death row, we can't take that kind of chance. We've got to win now. You're not winning with that roster. It's not happening. You mean Jeffrey, o- Jeffrey Okuda's not locking down half the field? When he's not even locking down his own star- a starting spot, it as a number three overall pick, the guy was not going to be that kind of guy. He was not. He was the highest rated corner. He is not Sean Springs. <laughs> he back in the day. He is not. Uh, you know Patrick Sertan back in the day. This that's not who he is. So is he Chucky Woodson? No Chucky Woodson. Uh, no, no. He's uh he's Buster Screen. That's who Terry, he is. He's Terry Fair. Back from your Terry, line days. Terry Fair returning, but he can't return punts. <laughs> At least Terry Fair can return some punts. No. In all it, seriousness, where do you, where where do the Lions need to go, Coach? Do that? Do you want big name or do you want more of an assistant guy? Offense, defense. What are you thinking? Well, you know, defense has always been the Lions' problem. But look at Kansas City. Look at some of these teams that have high power offenses. Defense is great to have. But defense is already going to be there. Look at your Bucks right now. Their their defense was this was unbelievable. They got the doors blown off of them by by the Rams pretty much as far as in the receiving game. Now their running right. game is stopping the runs not been a problem. The the Chiefs, I mean Tyreek Hill embarrassed the defensive backs on Sunday. You've got to play to to win in this league. You've got to you've got to score points in this league. Now, I I would love to see him go after an Eric Bieniemy or somebody of that nature. Will he somebody go there? That, Will he go there though? I don't think. I, I don't so. know. I mean, that's who I, I. You're asking me who I would like. That's what they need. They need an offensive-minded guy that is going to get the offense right. They're not winning with that team, but they have pieces to to score points. I mean, Stafford's a good quarterback. If Galladay can stay healthy, Marvin Jones, DeAndre Swift looks good. You've got pieces. Of Hawkinson, Hawk Dog is is really good at tight end. You've got the pieces. You've got a somewhat decent offensive line. You're not gonna you're not gonna lock down that whole division, but you've got to score points to keep up with Green Bay. You got to score points to even keep up with Minnesota right now. Right, so, I'll, give, I'll give you two names and tell me thumbs up or thumbs down. <clears throat> Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma. Mm, kind of on the fence about that one. I don't know how he does his game translate to the pros. I, I don't know. All right. I, all right, Jim Harbaugh. Up, thumbs yeah. up. 
Hey, he he can't do he can't he can't coach the college game, but he can coach the pro game. And and I say he can't coach the college game. He did he did have a he ran, he did had a good run at Stanford. But we saw he is a proven coach in the NFL. He, he took a team. He can't recruit the elite guy in the college game. That's right, and that's what's keep that's what's held him back. But in the pro game, we know he can coach, and we know his offense works in the pro game. And I. I'm all in on that. I know that sounds crazy, as bad as he is right now, as bad as Michigan is, but now you hey, know he's you know he would want some a lot of control of the front office. Would you be down with that too? Uh, whatever, whatever. Right now, really? I mean, what's it? Well, I mean, you you bring in a guy that that had the experience and 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 was had a good track record in Quinn, and and look what it got you. It got you nothing. So why not? Let the guy let the guy shop for the groceries. If you're gonna cook the dinner, let him shop for the groceries. Like now, Bill Parcell said. Now is, is Martha gonna give him a nice Ford Ford uh, Explorer expedition part of the deal? <laughs> for the Harbaugh clan? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's included <laughs> in the deal. <laughs> yes, no, I'm all in on that. I'm all in on that. I think that I think that, that would I I think that would be a good hire. Let him be the GM, let him have the control over the roster. Like I said, now we we talked about it in April with the Safford thing. If you don't trade him now, you're probably not going to trade him, and now you can't trade him. I mean, you can't get a first round pick. You might get a third for him. You're not getting a first round pick for him anymore because his salary is now going through the roof too. He's, he's hurt. One more, he's one more year older. Yep. Just yeah, I just I'm with you. We we talked about that way back in the spring that they should have unloaded him in the, before the draft and got as much. And, and the reason they didn't is Martha Ford put Patricia and Quinn on notice, either make the playoffs or you're out. So that's why they didn't do that, I think. Had, had, yeah. had that not been, the, had that not been the, the directive from Martha, they probably would have seriously looked into doing that, I think. And, and, and what's crazy is, you know, if, they, if they're healthy all the way through, if Stafford's not banged up like he they're is. They're in the mix. Gallag they're in Galladay's the mix. Not, yeah, they probably are in the mix. But – you're, you're playing without your number one receiver. He's played like two weeks, I think, of this whole season. I know because I have him on my team, and it's it's frustrating. Uh, your your stud rookie running back has been out the last two. Uh, I mean, you're you you letting AP eat. I mean, it, it you know, you, you got you hey, got he, injuries hey, across the board. That guy ate a nice couple turkey legs on Thanksgiving. Hey, I'm just giving away talent here. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to give them to Don. Don say, no, I don't need no AP. I, I'd rather have Marquise Brown. Oh All right, God. Um, got you, AP. And I, I, got just, you I, just remember, I just remember week one, a lot of promise, and then DeAndre Swift drops the ball in the last play of the game, which would have yeah. won the I mean, would have got off to a great start. Who was that, Chicago they played? Chicago, yep. You know, beat a division rival, would have got that regime. After that, it just kind of went, you know, up and down. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're right. They're, they're in the mix if they, if they, if they stayed healthy. Through this year, they, they probably are in the mix right now. Yeah. Because I mean, right now, what six and five is the last playoff team? They're, yeah. They've got They're three wins. Yeah. They got three wins right now. They would have four if he doesn't drop that pass. They stay healthy. They can squeeze out two more wins out of that. No problem. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Couple couple more NFL topics. What's going on with, in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson? Man. Uh, I don't think it's all wins. I know, I know, I sound like uh, Brian Greasy <laughs> uh, as a wins apologist right now, but I really don't think it's all on him. I think that a lot of it is him. 
I think that that offensive line is a travesty right now. I don't think that – I think that he is completely out of sorts, but I don't – that offense does not inspire anybody. The play calling is garbage, is hot garbage. <laughs> Miles Sanders had, what, six touches, eight touches in that game? Crazy. That was a close game. You weren't playing from behind. And even if you are playing from behind, Miles Sanders catches the ball out of the backfield – with the best of them. Right. How do you not get that in guy involved more now playing him completely fine with him, keeping out as a fantasy owner, <laughs> but right. why is he not in there? Why do you bring Jalen hurts in for one play? Take him out. Not a series. Why do you even bring him in to do that? Like it, right. it, it's so the whole, that whole thing is completely upside down there i think somebody's gonna go in philadelphia i don't know if, i don't think all three i don't think peterson went and the gm go one of those three guys are gone at the end of this year i don't know which one yeah their drafting has been pretty bad the last couple of years too i mean drafting guys their first round players have not been very productive <clears throat> you know Wentz, one pro bowler yeah one pro bowler Wentz is gunshot i don't know what the i don't know what's causing it but that guy's afraid to stand in there and let I mean, they showed three or four plays where guys were wide open. That would be the primary read on the play, and he's yeah. not even looking their way. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think that one of the three are gone. Their drafting has been bad. Peterson's play calling. I've all, I've said it. I I know you know you we were on that text change text chain. I think Peterson's an overrated coach. I think he won the Super Bowl and and that was great and everything. And he had a gimmick play to do it pretty much. And but he also had a great defense that helped him out in that game. Other than that, I don't, I've never thought that he's been a great coach, and I think it's showing right now. He needs to give that play calling up right now, you know, he or else he might he might not say it, it could be his job. Because I'm gonna tell you this: if you can't win the NFC East with you have the only team, if Daniel Jones doesn't play this week, you're the only one with the starting quarterback from week one. Right. That whole division has doesn't have their starting quarterback right now right. if Daniel Jones doesn't play this week. So how can you not be with that roster? And, I mean, the Giants have lost Saquon Barkley. Have Their receiving core has been in complete flux. I'll give Judge credit, though. He's done a hell of a job coaching oh, he's that done, team. He's done a great job, but that team does, should not be – we all know right. that that team is not a playoff team. Right. They're, they're not a playoff team. Washington has had some – some spurts, their defense is really good. Gibson's a stud, but you're playing with a guy that that you know, like we just talked about earlier, saved his leg. <laughs> they had to save his leg. Dallas looked like a train wreck. They were starting a guy from the freaking street three weeks ago, and they're all still in the mix. You should be blowing that division out. And if you don't make the playoffs in that division with his, what's going to have to be a losing record, right? You, you some, can't. Some, Somebody's gonna somebody's go. got to go. I, I got a feeling. But, the, I got a feeling. Roseman's gonna be the guy to go. The I do too. It's not gonna be Wentz. They owe him no, way too no. much money. Yeah, way he, too yeah. much money. Absolutely, I agree with that. I agree with that. What? Um, and, and he didn't forget how to play quarterback. The guy was, the guy was the MVP before he got hurt in the Coliseum that yeah. game that day, and he had decent years the two years after that. He wasn't terrible. So I just don't think it's all. I don't think it's all him. I really. Don't. I got to give some pushback on the play calling. That was a hell of a play call to call the hail mary and then the two point conversion to cover the number Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Dick yes. Rogers. Because that's Dick what Rogers. we're. That, 
I'm glad that's what uh, what Peterson's looking for is to cover the number, and that's <laughs> what will get you fired. <laughs> Covering the number. By the way, that was about as epic of a bad beat as you could take if you had wow. Seattle minus the six and a half. My God, I, we, I was saying it just just from the fact of I had the Seahawks defense and I lost five points on that one play because they were. <laughs> <laughs> because of the yardage and the points. <laughs> oh God. Then he has the then he has the balls to go for two after he catches the Hail Mary from Dick Rogers. Then he says, okay, I'm gonna go for two. Down down eight to get it under six and a half. <laughs> hey, he gave it to Miles Sanders then, huh? With the yeah. walking two-point conversion. Walked, walked right in. Oh God, that's hilarious. Oh yeah, that's God. a great play call. Chunk it up to Dick. <laughs> Dickie Rogers, baby. <laughs> all he does catch Hail Marys. On the deflection, on the du- on the double doink. Fa- he's facing the goal line. He wasn't even looking at or facing the goal post. He's not even looking at the quarterback. Oh God. Oh God. All right. Last thing we'll, and then we'll get to some picks. Jimmy V week is this week. ESPN. They're they're once a week kind of tribute to cancer research. Do you remember watching that speech live? What were you, you know, were you, you, that again, 1993 is a long time ago. Yeah. Your thoughts on the Jimmy V speech? Oh, it was, it was awesome. The cancer can take my mind. It can take, or it can take my body. It can take right. my, it cannot take my soul. It cannot take my mind. Um, yeah. So it, I was uh, 14. I remember, and I, I remember watching it because I watch the ESPYs every year. And uh, that was, that was a pretty special speech, you know, from a guy that, everybody's you know any college basketball fan you know worth their salt the, the image of jimmy v is the 80, running at, at, yeah in 83, 83 yeah. after after upsetting houston and running you know trying to find somebody to run to it was like i, I don't know who i gotta run to but i gotta find somebody yeah. this is the best thing that ever happened so um so yeah you know that and that that clip was shown so much and still is yeah. uh, and rightfully so um, so yeah, a, a great, a great speech. Um, I do, I do, I do remember that very, very well. Uh, and, if you, and if you remember afterwards, Vital and coach K had to go on stage to help him walk off the stage. He couldn't walk. Yeah. Off the I mean, yeah, he so, was it. yeah, that was just a, that was just a great, you know, that'll be a speech we'll hear. We'll, we'll, we'll listen to 50 years from now still. Yeah. Yeah. With, with, with such, you know, just a positivity and the, and again, with so many people around this world that are fighting cancer and all different kinds of cancers and all different kinds of situations. And it's just, it was just a great moment. And again, from a sports world, you know, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a ballroom full of sports legends and every one of them were in tears basically yep. after that speech. So great yeah. job, great job with ESPN continue to do that for cancer research and all that stuff. So, and, and um, you also have uh Stuart Scott involved, you know, his memory involved in that too with ESPN. Absolutely. Now. Yep, um, and it just which, hit very close to home for a lot of people. Yeah. All right, let's go to let's go to some NFL picks here. We won't do every game; we'll just do a few games here. I'll get your opinion. <laughs> Does the Daryl Bevel era in Detroit get off to a good start in Chicago Sunday afternoon? Get <laughs> three points. <laughs> uh, you know after, what? After the. A heroic performance by the Bears on Sunday night football in Lambeau. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I, it's hard for me to pick against my own team. And in this case, it's not hard at all. I, Chicago's lost, what, five straight? 
Yeah, they're got bad. Mitch, yeah. Mitchie, Mitchie is in there scamming it up, um, <laughs> stealing money, Steve, just stealing, straight up stealing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll take the line. I'll take the I'll take the three, but I, I'll take the lines to win that game. I, I think you. I think that if anything, you see what happened in Atlanta. You've seen what happened in Houston. These guys are tired of, of certain guys. And once they're gone, they feel rejuvenated. And they're like, I want to play now. I'm ready to play again. I know that sounds crappy. And, and some people don't believe it, think that's crap. But I, I, I would, I think that they're, Hey, let's, let's play. There's a lot of people that did not like him in that building past and present. Yep. A lot I of agree. people. All right. Actually in a couple of interesting games, the Giants, the Colt McCoy era underway in New York, heading to Seattle. Seattle minus ten. I, I mean, I, I don't think the that's Giants can win the game, but that's a lot that's of a, points, and I think that defense for the Giants is decent enough, and the Seattle defense is not very good. Well, they've been better as of late, but losing Carlos Dunlap possibly is is going to hurt them. I mean, actually, as of late, they've been really good. Uh, last two weeks, they've been they've been really good. Uh, losing Dunlap could hurt. Jamal Adams makes that that team go. That is a lot of points. It, you know, I've everything I've heard so far, though, Daniel Jones is still practicing. Like, he might actually play this week. Uh, I don't know why you would risk it, but at the same time, you're in first place in your division, so right. your season's still up. Uh, I Man, 10 points is a lot, though. I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think anybody thinks that New York's going to win that game, but I, I would take the points on that. I, I, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough yeah. sell to go double digits in the NFL against a, a division-leading team. I agree. I would take the 10 as well. Probably maybe the game of the week, the Rams head to Arizona in a must-win game for the for Arizona. They've they've kind of been cratering the last couple of weeks. Kingsbury, some very questionable uh, game management in New England last week. Thumbs down by Mr. Banks in New England. Horrible. Uh, Horrible. Golf, golf was an apple or cherry fest last week against the 49ers. Uh the Rams minus two and a half going to the desert. Horrible play calling. I mean, you have either there's a couple, there's two things either going on here. One, you have just completely fallen into a terrible play calling rut or two. Kyler is hurt way more than what they're letting on. Now he can still throw the ball. So if you can throw the ball with the zip that he's still throwing it, it does not lead me to believe that he's hurt that bad, but they're very cautious. They don't want it to become worse. And that's why they're not running him as much, but there's no creativity. Those that goal line play was literally hand hand off to Drake straight up the middle. No creativity, not, not even an RPO. It was just handed off to him. Why? I mean, you've got, you've got Deandre Hopkins on the outside. Christian Kirk has been a, a really good player this year. I know you're without Fitzgerald. That, that was a, that was a key loss. I mean, that guy does a lot for that team. I know he's not the guy he used to be as far as the numbers, but the blocking, what he does, you know, to, as far as his smarts, terrible play calling. Um, I, I have to go with the Cardinals there. I got to take the Cardinals. I think I, I just have to believe that for two things, two reasons, the, the last two weeks is where they've been bad. They had that tough game in Seattle that was on short rest. Thursday night's always tough to come back. New England does very well. We all know Belichick can scheme against your best, what you do best. On the road, too. On the road, 12 o'clock. I have to think they get, they come back home. They're rejuvenated. I think that they win the game. I'm going to give you my, I'm going to give you an upset special this week. Monday night, 
the 49ers are going to beat the Buffalo Bills outright in you. Arizona. I'm I don't, with there's you. no point spread yet, but I think I think Buffalo will probably be a either a one or two three point favorite, something like that. I really like what San Francisco's doing. Yes, um, they're playing hard. They have not, you know, they've been de- they've been dealt a lot of bad cards these last few days with the whole you can't play in San Francisco deal. Yeah. Um, you know, I give full credit to you. Kyle Shanahan and company for doing what they're doing. He he has proven as as bad as a. <laughs> win it in the clutch coach as he has been <laughs> he yep. has proven he's still a, he still has control of that team and that team is playing for him he, i mean you they showed the injury list i don't know if you were watching the game and happened to see they had to scroll down for all the games missed by all of their players this year <laughs> i'm not kidding it what they couldn't fit it onto one screen it just kept going up and up and up and up you're talking about no bosa no garoppolo your running back situation has been completely in flux all year. Debo has been in and out. Finally Ayuk came back last week. And had a huge game. Ayuk been out. Uh, your offensive Dick, line. Dick Sherman had been out for 10, eight Sherman, or nine weeks. You lost your uh, your linebacker. You traded uh, traded Quan away to New Orleans. I mean, just number of things. And they're five and six. Yeah, and beat, they're still in and it. And beating the Rams in Los Angeles. So, yeah, they're still in the mix. I agree with you. I think – I think that they uh, – I think Buffalo did not want to go back to Arizona, the scene of the crime, as I called it, um, where they lost the the on the Murray miracle or the Hell Murray, whatever you want to call it, yep. um, playing in Arizona the night after Arizona plays uh, L.A. Um, yeah, I, I'll take San Francisco on that too. Yep, yep. Okay. All right, man. Well, appreciate Here, here's a Here's another one. Yeah. Here's another one real quick. If Lamar Jackson doesn't play – I'll take Dallas and Baltimore on Tuesday as well. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. Can Cleveland can Cleveland go to Tennessee and win? I don't think so. I don't think they can. I I, I just I, Baker Mayfield, and he missed two th- wide open throws the other day. I mean, two, he had two guys crossing in the middle of the end zone. He overthrew both of them. I mean, like, yeah, you're gonna have to make plays. Cleveland's running defense is not very good. Derrick Henry can gash them. Um, I, I don't think they can go there. And I also don't um, – I also do not think it's going to be a blowout of any kind in Pittsburgh. I think Washington keeps that game a, a lot closer, to, especially with Pittsburgh on short rest. I think Washington keeps that a little a lot closer than people are going to believe. Than the experts think. What What is the uh, line? Eight and a half? No way. I, I don't think that at all. Especially, like- if Con- especially if Connor's not back. They just lost Bud Dupree. That's a huge loss, too, by the way, for the Steelers. Huge loss. Jimmy, Jimmy's going to be playing some serve and volley this week. Don't worry. Jimmy's going to be at the net. Got to get off that list. <laughs> if not, Benny, if not, Benny to the rescue for Pewter Powers as the Panoche are going to go on the road up to – uh, uh what, what's it villa rica what's the, shula vista shula, shula vista. vista the exit we've already played a stunning villa. upset to get pewter <laughs> powers in the playoffs on the back door i'm gonna go ahead and tell you i will probably end up winning the points championship and if i lose that game i'll bow out myself <laughs> i will resign and concede like somebody isn't doing right now <laughs> oh god man oh jesus I can't lose uh, that game. Oh God, you're right. If you lose that game to that lineup, you that that there needs to be a uh, congressional investigation. You're right about that. 
I mean, we're talking just for the fans out there of fantasy football. You know, everybody likes to give you their lineup. I'll give you the team I'm playing. You tell me if if you think that this team could beat anybody. I, you don't even have to hear my lineup. <laughs> if Jordan there's Wilkins, ever going to real quick, if there's ever going to be a Samuel L. Jackson rise up moment at Gate A, Sunday is the day. Julio more than likely out. So Matt Ryan is his quarterback with no Julio. Jordan Wilkins and McKinnon are the stud running backs. Emmanuel Sanders, Renfro, Christian Kirk, DK Metcalf, the one stud on the team, and Joku at tight end. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. If I lose to that team, that is a me. major wow. A if, major I, if I can't beat wow. that team, oh, my God, if I can't beat that team. Oh, God. And All right, Michael. Well, appreciate the time, man. Great job as always. Keep it. It's it's a it was a balmy forty degrees here in Tampa yesterday. A little warmer, a little warmer for tomorrow. My playoff game, but it's been a little chilly this week. So I had to actually yeah. wear, I actually had to wear a long sleeve shirt to work for a couple of days. Yeah. It was down uh, into the twenties Monday and Tuesday here. Yeah, it was nice, so, but it, it's warm back up into the sixties today. Fifties, so, high fifties. So enjoy the rest of the Alabama State High School Championships this weekend on uh, Great 38 or whatever the hell the channel is they're, they're playing it on these days. 68. 68. The w- Pinson, Va- Pinson Valley for the 4A, for the 4A title. Yes. <laughs> Another local Birmingham team playing for the gold with, uh, with, with the hoisting the trophy up in, in Bryant-Denny, where I actually called the state championship game, by the way. I was, I'm one of the few people that can say they called a state championship game in Bryant-Denny and in Jordan-Hare. Not many True. people can say that. So um, I got a little history. So appreciate the time, Mike. Have a great weekend. And all right. hope all, hope, hopefully all of your guys test positive for COVID Sunday morning. Thank you very much. <laughs> you, you as well. Have a good night. See you, Mike. See you, man. Thank you. I right, appreciate you listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week, folks, and we'll see you next time. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time on the Powers on Sports podcast.